Hello, this is Christian Bush, and welcome to the first episode of Geekin' Out, my new podcast. Every episode is a new person talking about what they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with their job. The only requirement is that they're totally geeking out on it, and they want to talk about it. From Game of Thrones to craft beer, from rescuing dogs to remodeling Airstream trailers, from collecting retro Barbie dolls to 3D printing, tell me about what you love, why you love it, how you got into it, what makes it awesome, and really, why someone else could get into it too. Each episode is presented in three chapters. In chapter one, my guest and I will go deep diving on whatever they're passionate about. Chapter two is a game I call Trajo where my guest and I turn each other on to one thing that we've just discovered. And Chapter 3 closes the show with me talking about music that I'm currently geeking out on and why. I believe that curiosity is contagious and that life is better with a soundtrack. So let's go. Chapter 1. This week's guest is Granger Smith. Granger is my label mate at Wheelhouse Records, whose debut album, Remington, featured number one hit, Backroad Song. You might know him better as his alter ego, Earl Dibbles Jr. If you're not already a member of the Yee Nation, you're about to be. Because I'm always moving around and I can't always predict where my perfect next guest will appear, I'm sometimes on location. So here, Granger and I are talking in the lobby bar of a Hilton Garden Inn in Charleston, South Carolina, after a show that we played together for the local radio station. You can hear us occasionally laughing with our band at the table or uh, talking to the waitress or enjoying that old-time tradition of a last drink before bedtime. Enjoy. I'm here with Granger, and I'm eating French fries. Yeah, they look and we're really in Charleston. Good. Yeah, we are. Um, so welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. I like this podcast. You know, it's on location. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, on it. we're we're in a lobby of a Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn, and there's a sweet. They're not lady. even paying us to say that. They're either. not even paying us to say. Not that. yet. <laughs> you know what? I like your entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit, and that's one of the things that really bonds us, you and me. Besides, we're on the same record label. Um, okay. Uh, so you, I, the reason that you're here, uh, or at least I'm putting you on podcast, is because I'm interested in what you're into right now, uh-huh. what you're ge- kind of geeked out on, yeah. that has nothing to do with your job. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes to my mind, because I was just dealing with this yesterday, but I'm into bees. I'm a, I'm a beekeeper. It feels awesome to say Be- that, by the way. I'm, I'm a new... I'm a beekeeper? I am a new beekeeper. You're a new beekeeper. Uh-huh. Aren't like people from Brooklyn that are like hipsters into beekeeping? Probably so, um, but so are farmer type guys too, right? So okay, there's two uh, ca- I'll buy that because my bees are not garden bees. They actually have, you know, space. <laughs> oh, they're, they're country. They're country, they're country bees. bees. They're, are, co- they're country. Are bees. these are these are these free range bees? <laughs> they're free range country bees. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time when I first brought this up. They said, so. You, how do you get into their area? And I said, what area? And they said, you know, with the net. Like the little house with the net. And I said, man, they just go everywhere. <laughs> and they said, how do they, know when, they how do they know when to go back? Well, I don't know. That's it's nature's mystery. They know how to get back. They travel five miles every day. Bees travel yes. five miles every day. Every day. They will go 50, 55,000 miles in their life. 
And they only live 35 days. What? But facts keep coming. Okay, how did you get into bees? Okay, I, it probably <laughs> started with me with fruit trees. I love trees. I love planting trees. I love established trees. I love planting new trees. I, I like planting seeds. I just, for some reason, I think my dad was into it. It's in my mom's side of the family too. There's something about it. I, in every house I've ever lived in, I've planted a tree at some point in my life. I got into fruit trees about four years ago. I got two peach trees, two plum trees, um, a pomegranate, a blackberry bushes, and a fig tree, all kind of in this one little area. And the number one way to really escalate the pollination is bees. Got it. They're the number I've one pollinator uh, for any are, kind, are they any the kind of flower. Are they the only pollinator? I mean, there's, there's butterflies and there, there's other things, but uh, birds, but the, the biggest pollinator of anything is bees. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, do I have enough bees? I don't know. I don't, how does anyone know if they have enough bees in their area? And I've seen bees. But, I, but then I started thinking, what if I brought in bees? A lot of people do that. I could bring in bees. So I started researching, looking on the internet, typing in bees. How long ago was this? This was about, uh, this was right around two years ago. And the reason I know that is because I went to a show, I was at a show, and, and a friend of mine from high school shows up. And we were just talking, and I, and I happened to mention I was in, interested in bees. And he goes, me too. I'm actually about to buy some for my house. And I said, wow. That's incredible. I said, I wish I could do that, but I'm touring all the time. So there's no way I could go buy bees and build the hives and paint them and get them. I would love to. One day, 10 years down the road, I'd love to do that. And he goes, I'll tell you what, why don't you just give me your credit card number? We'll, we'll buy a couple hives for you. And um, then I'll go buy a couple hives for me. We'll deliver them all to my house. I'll set it up for you and I'll get the bees going at my house. That way I'll get the, the hard part, the, the, the really you know, the extensive work that it takes. The early bee years are tough years. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, so he did it. This was, so he got, he ordered them. He got them in about six months later. So he had them at his house about a year and a half. And then this was the year when they're established, strong, ready to go. And he called me, he's like, hey, your bees are ready. So I got them in March. Of this year. Of this year. Um, so, so now it's June. So I went down and uh, to San Antonio. I'm in Austin. He was in San Antonio. I drove down, and uh, he put them. We put them. We took them out of their hives and put them in nukes, which was uh, spell that. Is really that like N U K E? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we take the the frames of their brood box. This is getting crazy, but. The brood box is where the bees, as you could tell, I am obsessed with this. No, <laughs> you're totally but geeking the out. Bro the brood box is where, um, that's where they live. That's where the queen lives. That's where she makes all her larvae. That's where they make all their, their food that's going to supply them for I the winter. I need that at my house, yes. dude. I need I a brood box. I have yeah. an early 7-inch from brood box. <laughs> brood yeah. box is my favorite box. new indie band. Yes. yes, brood box is an amazing indie band. <laughs> so what okay. you, you, you take the brood box and then you put a queen excluder on top which is a screen that allows all the rest of the bees to go through it but she can't because she's too big so it traps her in the brood box which is fine she needs to be busy making her eggs laying her eggs and then you uh, you put these supers on top a super is essentially the the same thing as a brood box it's got 10 frames in it with little little uh man-made honeycomb replica that they go they are attracted to and they build out their comb 
So when you put a super on top of a brood box, you never touch the brood box. That's their food, that's their supply, that's how they live. But the super on top of that is what you could harvest for your own honey. So you can pull that out? Yes. They don't need that. You can make two supers on top of that per hive. So we take the brood box frames out. You've seen the frames on TV. Everyone's seen the frames. You take the frames out and we put them in this this little nuke, which is basically a cardboard box that you put the frames in and then close it and seal it. So I take those so I put all the bees in there. <laughs> it's crazy. Seal it up. Did you drive Put them slowly? in the back of my truck. <laughs> Is it like a kid? Like a kid's on board? I'm going to drive I as had slow as possible? 15,000 bees in each hive. And I had two hives. I had 30,000 bees in the back of my truck. <laughs> oh. I had to pull over and get gas on the way there. And I was like, oh my gosh. Man. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> not all of them made it into the into the sealed box okay. you know some of them are just kind of around and they're but they're just trying to keep up <laughs> so i get to my house and like a Pixar film. <laughs> i put on the suit and i and i'm following the exact instructions that he gave me i build the hive just like it was at his house and then my wife and i luckily i had her with me we're smoking them too you smoke them with the little a little smoker because it chills them out. It disorients. This them. is not like a Washington State smoker. It's a little bit different. This is smoking, a different kind of smoking, but right? essentially the same. The same effect. The same effect. Outcome. It chills them out. Chills them out. It disorients them. Do you same actually, effect. Hold on. Can we stop? Yeah. Are, are you actually stoning the bees? You're stoning the bees. Totally. I love it. Yeah. Now, do they prefer us? Uh, cedar chips. <laughs> cedar <laughs> chips. If that's what we want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my wife and I, there we are. We're, we're, you know, smoking them like crazy. We open up the sight of opening up that, that nuke for the first time and seeing them in there, 15,000 bees. And you got to reach in there with your hand, gloved hands. Right. You've got to pull out a frame and they're just coated on each side of this frame. And then walk it over and put it into their new box. <laughs> like, here's your new home. It is the biggest rush I've had in a long time. Really? I was, I mean, my heart's pounding. I'm holding 15,000 insects. And now, have you done insects. any bee training before that? No, just YouTube. So does that, <laughs> does that become their new hive? Yes. So then you, a super is built on top of that. That's right, okay. exactly. So what, yeah, what happened is the queen, everyone's attracted to the queen. She's yeah. the leader. And I didn't see her. I could have, but I was preoccupied. But she was somewhere on one of those frames, crawling around. You could see her because she'd be bigger than all the rest. So I put them them into the brood box, and then I cover it with the the queen excluder. And then I put the... um, I I didn't put a super on yet because they don't need it yet. They they need to fill out the rest of the frames first. But I did put on a, a a little feeding box on top. So that feeding box is half sugar, half water mixed. Yesterday, for the very first time, I went in there and added a super because they they had filled out their brood box. So when I took off the feeding box, they had been building comb all under the feeding box on top of their brood box. So I just was like, hey, I I got a spoon and a Tupperware, and I just pulled off all this comb with a big spoon and put it into the Tupperware and got back and I had a whole bowl full of honey. Going. Okay, so how often do you think about the bees now that you're out on tour? I think about it all the time. I'm texting my wife that you feed the bees, you know, which is the strangest <laughs> the strangest text and Do you, do you have children? I do. We have three little ones. Do you do you like worry more about the bees than the children? 
sometimes? Ah, man. Probably not. To be honest, let's be honest, probably not. But I do think about them a lot. And my kids... Love, do they love they the bees? They love them. And, yeah. and I would think that bugs are kind of icky to some kids, but they want to put on the bees suit cool, and man. go. They want to go right up to their box. And if you look right at the, the entrance, they have a little entrance. It's, it's an inch long entrance. And they, they go in there, and these bees, constantly going in, constantly going out, all day long. And the ones going in got the little pollen sacks on their legs. And they're going in. They, they deposit the nectar and the po- nectar and pollen. They head right back out. The funny thing is, if you watch it close enough, there's these guards, there's bouncers that guard the outside. <laughs> they got a little velvet rope? Seriously. I they love check it. IDs. Wow. And they'll find a little robber bee that tries to get in there. He's either a local bee or he's one from next door. It's a townie. <laughs> and they will kick his ass. No kidding. They will kick the shit out of so this guy. So have you slow-moed your bees yet? Have you like gone to the slow-mo setting on your phone, iPhone? That's a great idea. I should do that. Have I you, haven't how have you not, have done, not that? done that? Okay. I have not done it. That's a great idea. Yeah, when, 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 we do, when we post this podcast, we need to have at least a slow-mo of your bees. Good. I'll, I will have that done for you. Oh yeah. Okay, so um, now that we understand <laughs> the full breadth of your obsession um, and, and, and why you're kind of geeking out on this, how would you recommend someone else get into this? Like, what's the gateway drug? Well, how do you start? Um, you know, the internet is so full, as of any other subject. It's just full of it's a wealth of knowledge of of ways to you. Yeah, to to <laughs> to be able to sit there and watch a YouTube video of a guy actually setting up. It's really easy. You can get everything online, deliver it right to your house. And a musician like me traveling all the time it makes it tough. But if you're a nine to fiver, this is this, this is, is easy. easy. So you could you could literally do it in your garden. Can and you the, do? Is it a morning ritual? Is it an evening? Like, well, I have learned that in the afternoon, my bees are crazy in the afternoon. They're crazy. <laughs> they're they're way ch- more chill in the morning. Right. They're really calm at night, and it okay. ra- and when it rains, they all go home. Oh, really? They all go home. Yeah. So okay. these these bees live thirty five days. How long does the queen live? Well, this is what's crazy. So the queen is like a, a, any other normal bee. She lives longer because she's been fed the royal jelly. I'm not making this up. The <laughs> royal jelly. It's like straight out of a Disney movie. Now, when she's at the end, they will elect a new queen out of the worker bees. I don't know how they elect one, but they all find one. She gets elected, and they feed her the royal jelly, and she grows to the size of a queen. That's amazing. <laughs> I think... I think, I think they're doing that in the UK right now. Yeah. Chapter 2. In every episode of Geeking Out, I see if I can trade one thing I've discovered recently with one thing that my guest has discovered. Like a friendly exchange. I call it Trade So this is called Trade I will trade you one thing for one thing, right? You turn me on to something, I'll turn you on to something. Okay. So I'm obsessed currently a little bit with cold brew coffee, Mm. right? And so this is coffee that is steeped for a whole day. It takes a whole day to make a gallon, usually, if you do it the right way. And there are are a lot like craft beers. You know, there are people that are making this. And one of the cool things that it does is it takes the acid out of the coffee so that it doesn't hurt your stomach. The awkward thing that it does is it triples the caffeine. So when you okay. pour yourself a cup of coffee, of cold brew, that would be normally your regular cup of coffee, it's now like you're on Adderall. 
Right. You got to be really, really, really careful not to overdo it. Okay. So um, the cold brew coffee that I love is obviously from Atlanta, Georgia. It's called Banjo Coffee. But one love of my, it. Somebody turned me on to not just the cold brew, but recently mixing it with LaCroix, LaCroix. You know this. Um, yes. This soda that's not a, a cola. Right? Yeah. And it's the yeah. coconut version. Everybody's which, got that on their rider these days. Yeah, well, it's that? awesome yeah. because it keeps you off of drinking Diet Coke. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, the LaCroix, or the LaCroix that I love now, current obsession, is a coconut, which tastes a lot like sunscreen. Um, if you could drink sunscreen that's carbonated. Okay. And if you okay. pour the cold brew coffee half and half exactly into a, with ice, a glass of ice... Cold brew coffee and the coconut LaCroix, LaCroix, however you want to pronounce it, it is the most refreshing summer drink ever. It's like coffee plus coffee. It's like a Mounds bar, but coffee, but has zero calories. Okay. That's incredible. I don't have a name for it yet, but that's, that's what I'm to, turning you on You need on to text me that word for word what you said. Yeah. So, so I'm going to remember. Next time you're in Whole Foods, you'll be like, know how to do that this. plus that equals joy. Okay. Okay. Now you turn me on to something. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn you. I'm gonna turn you on to something. Anything. Because of you said cold brew coffee. Okay. These guys probably know what I'm gonna say. Cold water therapy. It's a lot less enjoyable than cold brew coffee. Okay. I'll put it that way. But cold water therapy is something I got into because um, in December I broke a couple ribs and punctured a lung, fell off the stage. I heard about that. When I when I got home. I wanted to be able to recover as fast as possible. I just hate sitting on a couch and recovering. And I didn't want anything to slow that down, so I started researching how, how would Troy Aikman, you know, recover the fastest he could possibly recover? Or how would any, you know, NFL quarterback figure this out? Because I, fi- I kind of put those guys as the guys that would have the, right. the ultimate that, scientist. Well, there's the most over. amount of money on there. Yeah, there's a lot of money involved. Right. right. So it all, everything came back to cold water therapy as that <laughs> okay. you know you know all professional athletes take ice baths and there's a reason so I, I really got into this and uh this was in december so it was perfect because i would i would go to my pool and i would measure my pool at somewhere in the mid 50s 50, 50 degrees, degrees fahrenheit this is in december so so it's that actually sounds it to some people that sounds warm but that's freaking cold it's freaking cold especially when outside it's in the 40s the temperature outside so i would i would go get in there and uh, i started at a minute then i worked up to 10 minutes whoa but three minutes is what i preferred but what's crazy is you go in there with whatever your whatever your ailment or maybe you don't have an ailment you just you just want to be complete what happens is you get completely recirculated with all your blood Tell me how that works. So you jump in, and you have you have the the caveman brain effect of I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. You're, okay. You think I'm gonna die because that's what it feels like. So every all the blood in your body rushes to your cord and and holds there to, to protect your vital organs. So that takes about 30 seconds because I had a timer every day. I would do this and I have a timer. It takes 30 seconds for all the blood in your body to rush to your cord. When that happens, you hit a euphoria. Ah, this isn't too bad. You're kind of just bobbing in the water like, hey. And everybody's like, you okay? It's like, it's not too bad. And at that point, you're good. You could wait for 10 minutes if you want. That's awesome. Thank you. Is there anything else I can get you, gentlemen? 
This is perfect. All right. Is there anything we need to get out of the way? No, man. I think we're good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here, man. And now we're going to eat our food. Yes. Thanks, buddy. Ranger Smith. Chapter three. Me geeking out on music. Surprise, surprise, right? (laughs) All right. This week, uh, I'm diving into a record that was a really big deal for me. And later in life, I got to explore it in, in, in a brand new way. But the artist name are, are The Police. And the album in question here is Ghost in the Machine. And uh, when you look at it, it is a black album with like a digital readout. It looks like a digital clock, but each of their faces, the way they did it with the, you know, Sting has spiked hair and, and Andy Summers is... Uh, hairs going to the side and stuff like this. And it, it, it's a very enigmatic record for them. But what's most interesting to me is the second single off of this album was called Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. And I was always obsessed with this song uh, for a very specific reason. I, I, I At the time that this came out, or at least by the time I heard it, I believe I was... Let's see, what year did it come out? In 81. So by the time I really dug into this record, I was 12 or 13, and I was learning to write songs at the time. And, um, you know, the, the these police songs were complete thoughts and complete statements, and they, they sounded like nothing else on the radio. It was some sort of strange British reggae rock. And every little thing she does is magic is exactly like you know, a squared off, well-written pop song or even a country song to that matter. And what was fun to me about the recording is that there's just very little going on until, of course, the drums sort of take over in, in the choruses. And the obsession that I had was kind of these beautiful melodies in the verses. And here, this is what they sound like. Okay, so the way this kind of works is I had suddenly been listening to Adam and the Ants and a couple of things that probably a kid from East Tennessee just had no business listening to. And I realized that you could put things on top of each other. And I was trained as a classical musician, so it made sense to me, counterpoint, uh, you know, one one part of the score layered with another part of the score later, both that it appeared individually earlier and and what happened. So at the end of this song, there's what's called a fade. And nowadays, you know, we just kind of draw a fade on a computer. But at the time, you had to actually physically have your hand on the fader, the master fader on your console, and then you would slowly fade it down, right? And depending on how much coffee your engineer had had that day, your fades were quick, <laughs> Or, you know, depending on how much of a, I don't know, stoner or something that they were, they, they would they would fade it slowly, right? And it would be the perfect timing on how to close the conversation of a song. So this particular song has a fade in it that um, has always, always perplexed me. I, I was the kid who, as the song faded on the radio, I would turn the radio up and up and up to try to counter... The, the engineer turning it down, I kept turning it up and up and up because what Sting had done and the guys in the police had put one part of the song of the melody over a different part of the music and it only happens on the fade. And I thought to myself, man, it is the coolest thing I've ever heard. 
So here, here's that part. All right, so fast forward, let's see, almost 11 years or 12 years, I end up as my job getting a record deal with my my friend Andrew Hira and Billy Pilgrim, and now we are literally in London, (laughs) and we get to work with Hugh Padgham, the man who produced a lot of these police records, and I can't help but ask him when I finally get the like one social time moment to say, Hugh, please tell me, what does it, what did it sound like for the rest of that song? Because the ending of that song, and I know you produced it, was one of my favorite things of all time. And I always wondered what the Tales Out version of that is. Tales Out being, you know, we all recorded on on actual tape and the tale of the tape. If, if you hadn't have faded it down on the fader, what how long did that song go? What Could I hear the rest of that song? And uh, he laughed and, and he told me the story of it. He said, well, that song was actually the demo that we had the drummer play to the demo that Sting had already made. And literally the end of the fade is where the tape runs out on the machine. <laughs> so um, at least I know that uh, there there was nothing that happened after that. So I don't have any fear of missing out <laughs> of what's there. But uh, it, it is, in its entirety, one of the more formative songs in my life that taught me how to reimagine the music that you're making. Maybe all of it can squish on top of each other and work out. So here it is, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic, The Police. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Geekin' Out, and we are already hard at work on the next one. Are you obsessed with something amazing? Want to tell us about it? Write to us at geekingoutwithkb at gmail.com, and you might be a guest on an upcoming episode. Come find out more about me and this podcast at christianbush.com. That's Christian with a K. (laughs) Follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter. Christian Bush on Instagram, Christian Bush on Facebook, Christian Bush everywhere, except for Snapchat. It's Christian M. Bush. Thanks to Bobby Bones for the opportunity to build this podcast, Brandon Bush for making the soundtrack, Tom Tapley for audio wizardry, and Whitney Pastrick for being a great producer, making this whole thing possible. This is Christian Bush geeking out. Thank you for listening.